Warning, the guest episodes on License for Love are experiences, expertise, and views of their own. The diversity duo is in no way liable for actions or advice one takes in their daily life from our guests. Our purpose is to give everyone a voice to be understood, not necessarily agreed with. You're listening to License for Love with Cowboy Jax and Lauren Michaels Harris. The heartbeat in relationship conversation. Sexy, beautiful, let your hair hey y'all, this is Cowboy Jax and I'm with my good friend. Lauren Michaels Harris, hey, hey. Hey, we have an amazing, amazing, amazing episode for you today. I know that I say that every single week uh, because we keep having these wonderful, amazing guests, but... Today is really a story about courage. The title of this episode is called An Active Duty for Mental Health. And uh, here in just a little bit, we'll be talking to Navy sailor Christian Stevens. But before that, Lauren and I uh, are, well, how the hell are you, Lauren? Tired, but excited, but blessed. I'm good. I took, I took the long way home on that one. But yeah, yeah that, that, how are you, Jack? Yeah. You know, I'm doing pretty good. Uh, it's been a, a pretty crazy week. As you know, folks, we record um, these episodes by the time you hear it well in advance. And so, you know, last week, you know, my son had broken his arm and my anniversary was Saturday of three years. So uh, that was pretty cool. Um, but then Sunday we went to go see a movie and there was like a domestic violent situation in the parking lot that we had Ooh. to call the police so that was pretty crazy really like a husband wife boyfriend girlfriend thing well i think she called him slipping oh Dang, was like, you, you, have, you have another bitch in my car give me my car keys mother boop so oh Ooh, we got your phone out i would have loved this no i'm just kidding but um yeah let me ask you about your son uh because seems like there's been a rash of uh, break it, breakages with young boys, 12, 13. You're the third parent in that same week that I spoke with that their kid broke something. And were you, was yours the one that broke it in the same place as last time? Uh, yeah, and actually broke it even worse and had to have two titanium rods put in his arm. So, Kids will be kids, right? Mm -hmm. Wow. I'm, thank you, Jesus. Let me ring the bell. I have not broken a bone yet, but um, give it time. I'm almost 60. You know what happens to our bones when we get older, so they say. So not claiming that, but um, how's he? Is he on the mend? Is he doing better? He, he, he's doing really well. Um, he's in a two-parent home, so when he left here on Sunday and I sent him back to his other house, uh, he was doing really well. Zero pain. Appreciate you asking. Um, but for our audience today, in case you didn't know, or perhaps if you're living under a rock somewhere, mm -hmm. Lauren Michaels Harris and myself are both U.S. veterans. And what is really cool about this topic when I started researching it is, is that, Lauren, did you know if you could go into the military with any kind of uh, mental health or what those disqualifiers were? Because I did not on the onset. You know, back when I went in, in the dark ages, I don't remember them even asking. I don't remember any part of the MEP station run through 
uh, that had anything to do with mental health because they probably wouldn't have taken me. Just kidding. But you know what? I don't either. That that is very interesting that you say that. So I at verywellmind.com. Uh, I was doing some of the research for this episode and mental health disqualifiers for serving in the U.S. military are bipolar disorder or affective psychosis, disorder with psyche, uh, psychotic features such as schizophrenia, outpatient care for depression, anxiety for over one year of any inpatient care, history of OCD or PTSD, which I figured that one was a given. And of mm -hmm. course, alcohol or drug use, I figured was a given. But I found it very interesting that I, I don't recall at MEPS ever, ever being nope. evaluated in that way. I wonder if they just do it kind of sneaky and we just don't know it. Well, I'll say this to that topic because when I was doing my research, I watched a video where uh, the wife of a service member was saying, you know, they, the recruiters are actually trained uh, to just put all of the benefits and stuff out front. They don't put in any of the stuff that might disqualify you. It's almost, you know, it's almost like when a person is selling house and they know that there's termites, but they don't tell you, you know what I mean? Mm. That kind of thing. So we're going to unpack some of that today. And I'm really looking forward to it because it is the conversation that warrants uh, talking about. Yeah, I mean, especially in this day and age, like I really love it that mental health is finally coming to the forefront. You know, you've got Talkspace.com out there. You've got Cerebral, Cerebral out there, um, which that advocate of that gold medalist who walked away from the Olympics, who mm -hmm. said her mental health was worth more than gold. She's a big advocate for that. Yeah. And I don't know about you, but I've had a, a very interesting journey um, with mental health and really understanding the value of therapy. Now, I know you do life coaching stuff, but um, have you have you seen a therapist over the years? And, and how has that went for you? Like yesterday. I oh, certainly, cool. yes, I have through the VA. I have always, always, always seen a therapist. Why? Because I always say, oh, the rich people, you know, they always brag about it. You know, I was just talking to my therapist today. So I was like, it must be something in there. But I really went because I needed answers, you know, and I wasn't willing to just take others' opinions. So I went in and, and it's a benefit. So I used it, but I didn't even know I had PTSD. You know, I just became service connected not even a year ago, you know, 80%. And if they hadn't looked into my file and saw some stuff that took place when I was enlisted, I wouldn't have known. And I, you know, I could have been service connected for the last 30 years. Right. Wow. Right. That's unbelievable. Mm. Tell me about it. So check out these numbers. A study published in 2014 found that 25% of non-deployed U.S. military members have some sort of mental disorder, including panic disorder, ADHD, or depression. Two-thirds of these had their conditions prior to enlistment. What do you think about that? Well, I think they're probably going to blame it on something prior in a lot of cases. Um, it's, it, Ooh, I like that too. Let's, let's unpack that a little bit more because I really like where you're going there. Well, think about it. I mean, they don't tell you, I mean, when you're being recruited, you know, I told you how I got recruited, right? 
I never considered the military. I was already in a dorm room at a college and went to town to watch a movie by myself and got there an hour and a half early and uh, bought my ticket. I didn't have anything to do. And I looked across the street and there was a sign in the basement window of a building that said, watch a free video, aim high. I didn't know what it The very next day I was at the MEP station with my hand in the air in a room full of flags and the rest is history. But they, you know, I, I'm, but it was a great thing. I trust me. I don't have any regrets. I have zero regrets. It was one of the greatest opportunities um, of my life because, you know, coming out of foster care and stuff, there weren't very many uh, things that were uh, opportunities rather that were built in to teach me about being uh, fiscally responsible. There weren't, you know, uh, character building, all the things that I learned, um, you know, starting with how to fold your underwear, you know, in basic, you know, yeah, I mean, for me, it was a little bit different because I was going through a lot um, emotionally and it had a pretty tumultuous uh, childhood for the most part, minus five or six years, which if you guys check out Won't You Be My Neighbor, um, our pilot episode with Lauren and I, you can find out more, a little bit more about some of the trauma and where our life has went since then. But my papal was an army veteran and he saw the writing on the wall. Like I was drinking a lot that summer, you know, um, he just, he just saw it. And so he told me to get in the truck and you just didn't tell Jack Duval no. And so we went to the, the recruitment station and I was like, well, hell, if I'm going to do this, I want to do everything. So it was like, I want to be airborne ranger. I want to be infantry. You know, I want to be all high speed and hua and all that stuff. And, Unfortunately, I didn't get to go to airborne once I got down range, but that's another story. But I'm with you. For me, it it really acted as a father figure, I think is the easiest way to say it was there there was so much discipline and integrity that was infused in the understanding of boundaries. And even though my journey continued on uh, after that and, and didn't get into therapy until many years later, um, I feel that I probably would have been in really bad shape if I wouldn't have chose to well, here, go into the military. The Here's one of the things, Jax, that I think we ought to also uh, peel the onion on if we can. Uh, starting like with this recruiter's training, I found out, you know, there's a ton of hidden info, things that they are trained not to bring up. And when they're talking about the benefits, oh, you're going to take care of you, we're going to take care of your family, but then they don't tell you that here's a stat I found that um, is pretty saddening if you ask me. Roughly one mental health provider. There's roughly one mental health provider for every 462 active duty service members and their families. So they don't tell you that, yeah, you know, I mean, we all know the numbers um, or know something about those numbers of the depression and um, that sort of thing. But then they don't tell you that, well, yeah, you're probably going to have some kind of PTSD, but don't expect us to be able to help you with it. So we're going to talk about that and more today. And currently there is one annual suicide training per year for service members, for active duty service members. Oh, that's not enough. It's just wow. not right. Wow. So, um, and, and I love, I love where you're going with that. Um, so the national Alliance of mental illness, which is called NAMI, um, Linda said they were a great source. You know, she has a degree in psychology. 
Um, some of the things that was really cool in that is discussing the military policy and your privacy. So for, for any service member that's out there, um, when you seek mental health care, your care provider will inform you that the Department of Defense follows the privacy guidelines set down by HIPAA and the Privacy Act. These guidelines ensure the privacy of your mental health records in most situations. If your care provider discovers that your mental health condition may endanger yourself, others, or the mission, however, they are obligated to disclose the information to your chain of command. So overall, you know, if, if there's people that are scared out there of, of being able to, to take that step to get help, mm -hmm. um, we just want you to know that, you know, from what we understand, there, there are some privacy things that, that are able to protect yeah. uh, you. I'll tell you one thing I'm, I'm anxious to talk to Christian about today is because I actually found a video uh, by a service member's wife and he was a Navy um, member. And she was talking about how he was on one ship that well, he was deployed on and it got hit. And then another ship got hit that his instructor uh, died on and his nightmares and night terrors. And think about it. They're out there on those ships. They're just it's self-contained. You know, I was on a base in, in the Air Force. I could, you know, when I got off work at 430 every day, I'd go back to my dorm and then later to my apartment and, you know, drink myself to a, into a stupor, um, which is what a lot of us did. Um, and nobody would know the difference as long as I was, as I was back at my desk at 7 a.m. the next day. Um, but think about it. These kids that are out there, these service members on these ships, how do they not you know what I'm saying? How how would yeah, you? It almost seems like a, a 24, like in the army, we would call it like a 24 hour CQ duty, right? Like that you're constantly rotating back into the game and not getting any, you know, any release or decompression. Right. That's a very good point from ship life perspective, which very different. I'm sure Christian will be able to unfold for us as well. So, and you know, do you know anything about this? Which sector of the military? Which branch? Uh, has the biggest numbers. I don't. That would be. I, I don't. That'd be interesting to know. I, I. Yeah. I mean. I think. So. What. What. One thing is interesting though. Um, is. Let's see if I can find it here in my notes. So a couple of things before we roll into the commercial break. Um, maintaining a strong body and mind is is important. Um, you know. Recognize that. Uh, others may not understand your military service or your views. Um, make sure that you search the web on mental health and you know what the value of those strategies are ahead of time to help you help support you. Mm -hmm. And there's also some things that we'll probably unpack a little bit later in regards to the dangers of not disclosing it. Right. So to wrap up our first segment here, folks what Lauren and I seem to have a general consensus on, and we'll, we'll have an expert in here in a minute, is there are many things for military service that can bring value, but you must come to that crossroads with honesty, right? If you, if you suffer from some sort of mental illness, please make sure that you disclose that. And I know you may want to go in the military and serve, but you're going to find out that it could end up being more dangerous than helpful. Mm -hmm. Lauren, you want to take us out? 
Sure. We'll be back in just a moment. Don't go away. When we return, we've got uh, United States Navy Fire Controlman Second Class Petty Officer Christian Stevens and his story. We'll be right back. Hey, y'all, this is Cowboy Jacks. I just wanted to invite you to join the heartbeat and relationship conversation in this space right here. Your product, your service, your message. Let's ride. Welcome back. I'm Lauren Michaels Harris. Welcome back to this episode uh, licensed for love with my good cohort here, Cowboy Jacks. Jacks? Cowboy Jacks. Yes. All right. So so we've kind of circled around a lot of um, speculation today and and definitely gave our input from personal experience. But but let's have the uh, Christian to come in now uh, and uh, really give us his input on where we kind of went in the first 15 minutes. So Christian, are you there? Absolutely. Well, let me tell you who he is. Oh, oh, okay. yeah. All right. He's here. He's here. And who is he? He is Christian Stevens. Like I said before the break, he's the United States Navy Fire Controlman Second Class Petty Officer. And he's been an active duty member for a little under five years and is currently stationed at the Mid-Atlantic Regional Maintenance Center. And he was previously stationed upon the USS Philippine Sea. Um, he also participated in the 2021 deployment overseas. Christian, welcome, welcome, welcome. How are you, my friend? Good, thank you for having me. Of course. So what were you thinking about the uh, the conversation going on between me and Lauren? Uh, because we know you were backstage. Um, what, what What's some of your thoughts on where we were going? Were we, were we kind of hitting in the right spot or anything I that think, you'd like um, to add? I think you guys were asking the right questions. Um, I just think that the whole recruiting process could probably use a little bit more of an audit, but unfortunately there's already a small enough percentage of people that are even eligible to serve. And those numbers are obviously getting smaller and smaller as different things are becoming legalized and waived in other States and not to mention, um, just in general, you can look up any branches bonus for signing up and you'll see how bad they're hurting for people to enlist. Christian, can I ask you, when you, when you uh, first enlisted, it was for how long? It was for six years. So, so you're in your first enlistment? Uh, no, I re-enlisted. Oh, you for our listeners out there that aren't service members or don't have anything to do with the military, can you just briefly walk us through how that process works, like going from a six-year contract to another enlistment? Basically, uh, for my specific job, I signed up with a four-year contract with a two-year extension. Um, there was slight perks to the two-year extension. However, that's not considered underneath your original enlistment. So at my four year mark, I was actually eligible to re-enlist as if that was my first contract ending, as long as it was before wow. my six years. So you, you did take the extension. So my first question was going to be, and I guess it still could be, was looking back now um, from the startup to where you are currently, any regrets? No. No, no um, I've actually had a very, very, very fortunate career. Okay. And progression and so what, so what, what makes it fortunate for you, Christian? I've just had a pretty supportive um, chain of command for the most part. Um, I, 
put in the effort, I tend to see results coming back to me. It's not the case for everyone. And it's definitely not the status quo from what I've seen. But from my experience personally, it's not been, it's not been all that bad. So let's, let's start from the beginning. Why did you decide to go into the Navy? Uh, to, I mean, truthfully, I just, just had a boredom. I, I was uh, working at AT&T for about two years and I was just not really seeing any progress. I mean, I was good at the job, but I wasn't really getting any fulfillment out of it. I've always wanted to join the Air Force, but the Air Force recruiting people were just they just, if, if the Air Force is reflected by their recruiters, I definitely didn't want to join them. So then, uh, and then the Navy recruiters, you know, they just snagged me up and it's history from there. Well, it wasn't history. I had to wait 11 months before it became history. <laughs> right. And, and, you know, uh, obviously we're going to get into, you know, the, some of the issues that you overcame later on, but, um, what, what basically is your job? What, what's your day-to-day look like in the Navy? Uh, currently my day-to-day is, um, I'm on shore duty. So this is what the Navy considers roughly our time to relax after active duty on a ship. So I do a lot of administrative work for, um, Marmac and kind of help facilitate the training program and checking personnel, civilians and um, military personnel in and out of the command. And uh, what what is your what is your military uh, service been like thus far? Like, are you average? Or do you feel like you're below average? Are you fast tracking? Like, give our listeners an idea of like who we're talking to in terms of the, the subject matter that we're going to unfold here in a little bit. I really want them to understand who you are in the Navy. Oh, for sure. Um, I'm definitely on a fast track, uh, which kind of made the whole decision to combat my mental health a uh, little on the edge about actually deciding whether to do it or not, because I was worried about my career as everyone does. Um, but no, I... Uh, I'm less than five years in and I'm actually up for E6 promotion. Find out about that, whether next week or this week. Um, And so, I mean, on average for a lot of people, you're looking at if you join as a E1, you know, you have roughly two and a half years to even get to, you know, an E4. And then after that, it's all based on evaluations and test scores and whatnot, quotas. Um, But long story short, having the opportunity to be an E6 in less than five years is fast tracking in the Navy. Can can I ask a question? Because I want to know, and I think we should throw this out there now so that people can understand how you came to be on this particular episode. So you mentioned just a second ago, your mental health. Can you give us um, a little bit of insight into what you're talking about when you say your mental health? Because it's different for all of us. Um, For me, it was just a lot of um, just a lot of realization that my day to day, I guess, thoughts and habits and processes of how I was handling things wasn't quote unquote normal. Um. It was just very imbalanced. I would get 
very anxious very easily. If like anything kind of like was disrupted from the status quo, it would kind of throw me out of the loop a little bit, but it would do in the sense of throw me out of the loop, it would do kind of a beneficial sort of thing as far as career goes, because it would completely take all my attention from everything outside my life to my job, which is not a bad thing in the military service, but it definitely takes a toll on your personal life. Um, and then just in general, uh, the having that kind of mindset and then being in a job that's for better intents and purposes, a 24 seven job, it's, it can be, it, it was exhausting. Um, and it was, uh, took quite the toll. So what does that mean? quite the toll? Uh, well, I suffered from uh, PTSD and depression post-deployment. Uh, uh, I kind of started suffering from depression on deployment. However, I mean, it's kind of, it's kind of like it's either severe enough where they get you off mid-deployment or they just tell you to wait till you get back. And, you know, uh, it's not really as simple as just taking the decision to be it, it for a lot of people, it feels like a selfish decision to try to leave mid deployment. Everyone knows the toll it's going to put on the rest of the crew. And just in general, a lot of times you just find yourself setting yourself aside for the better men of the team, hmm. um, which isn't necessarily right or wrong, unfortunately, because uh, I don't have I don't know if I would have done it differently if I was to be back on deployment in the same predicament again, to be honest. Was there but, a crucial moment for you when you were just like, how oh, I feel like something is just off. Like I, I really feel like I need, because I personally think in all the research that I read and even what Lauren and I were talking about earlier, um, it's a very brave thing that you did and a very courageous thing that you did to go from being on that active duty component to a, a, a ship to reaching out to your chain of command and saying, I, I think, you know, I might need to evaluate my mental health here. Uh, for me, it was more, it was more so just accepting the fact that I could just tell something was off. So I wanted to talk to a professional and see what their opinion was. And then it was them telling me that having suicidal ideations at any inconvenience of your life is not positive. Uh, I didn't know that was not the case. So, um, and as you guys know, being in the service, you know, as much as it shouldn't be a joke, suicide is very talked about lightheartedly um, just due to, it's just what we all have in common, you know. There's a stigma, of course. And so can I ask, uh, Christian, uh, because I did uh, a little research and I, I heard a lot of a lot of in a lot of the videos, uh, especially from Navy service members, that um, a great number of them have had found themselves on suicide watch returning home from deployments and whatnot. Um, have you seen that happen with any of your shipmates, um, that sort of thing? Um, and do you guys talk about what's going on with each other? Or is it sort of the thing you just know to keep to yourself? Because a lot of people are afraid to expose it because of, you know, retribution. So a lot of it is, well, in our, in my personal experience, we got 
little to nothing uh, coming back from deployment, which unfortunately is the case for a lot of other commands just due to COVID. Mm -hmm. uh, they didn't want to send, you know, people out, risk exposing the crew, ruin the chance of our home port um, return to be kind of uh, up in the air. I mean, they didn't have answers. So I don't necessarily, I don't necessarily think the Navy could have done it any better or worse. I think they did what they thought was best, just like every other company in the, essentially the world thought during this pandemic. Um, and unfortunately, you know, the, the ships are government entities and facilities and, you know, the mission does have to carry on. It's just, uh, it's a matter of at what cost sometimes. But uh, as far as the people around you go, I know that for me and a lot of my coworkers, we were pretty honest with each other, um, but we also all understood each other's concerns. So I guess we just try to be there as much as we can for one another until either we don't think we can handle it anymore or they don't think they can handle it anymore. And then they'll go seek uh, professional help. Hey, do you think you just mentioned that you're up for E6 and you're waiting on the results uh, now? Uh, do you feel personally, I'm just asking your opinion, do you feel personally that if you, you know, when you divulge these concerns, do you think they play into the decision of who gets what as far as promotions when they go through everything? Is that is possibly something that uh, um, a person will not, a reason why a person might not divulge their mental health situation because they don't want it to work against them? I know that, I know that, that is a real concern that everyone has, but I consulted with O6s, O5s, E9s, E8s, just constantly about my concerns because, I mean, I was aware that, you know, I was fast tracking and if I could just necessarily put all this on the shelf for another year before I was actually officially transferred to shore duty, then, um, you know, I was wondering if it was going to affect my career. And to be honest, you're, it's, it's not going to hurt it, but you, I mean, you can't expect to be set on the sidelines and still looked at as one of the top performers, if that makes sense. It makes. But I don't necessarily think that it's because of what you did. I mean, it's, we get evaluated. And if your evaluation is just helping personnel check in and out of a command, you can't expect that to be comparable to someone else that's exceptionally excelling at their actual job. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I do. Yeah, but I, I, don't, I wasn't affected personally by it. Um, my evaluations still reflect my time and my command and what everyone thought of me. And it was, uh, I mean, it was a, it was a positive evaluation. So do they send you, I also read that they send a lot of service members that bring up mental health issues to a regular doctor instead of a psychiatrist or a therapist. Um, how do you feel about that? I also read over and over that it seems like the go-to for the military in these situations is to send you straight towards the antidepressants. Did that happen to you or was it different for you? Definitely went straight towards the antidepressants. Um, and unfortunately, as much as, uh, as you guys were talking about earlier about um, kind of, like keeping it to yourself and career affecting. I mean, 
as much as it sucks, if you're on antidepressants, you can't operate a weapon until they've settled out into your system. So depending what you're, that's a safety thing though, right? Like, I mean, that's that's actually a a very good thing. It's not, it's not anything to like punish you. However, you know, it has its own unspoken consequences. You're now not doing the work that everyone else has to do. You're now essentially put on time out and people got to pick up the slack, which doesn't encourage anyone to go get mental health. I know I wasn't, I know it almost, it almost hindered it a little bit more, which is why at least in the Navy, they try to take you off of active duty because I think they're starting to realize that more for people. Mm-hmm. Um, however, as unfortunate as it is and as uh as much as it pains people to see it, you know, people play the system and fake it out too. So we got to keep people at the ship and we also got to not, we can't have people dying. So it's, it's catch 22, to be honest. There's no way that's to know a, if you're faking. Right. Yeah, that, that's a, that's a really great stopping point because it, it helps to paint the picture. So um, folks, we'll be back right after these messages. We're with Navy sailor, uh, Christian Stevens and my good friend, Lauren Michaels Harris. We'll be right back. We'll be back after these messages. Hey, y'all, this is Cowboy Jax. I just wanted to invite you to join the heartbeat and relationship conversation in this space right here. Your product, your service, your message. Let's ride. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back. You know what we should have done? We should have done paper, scissors, rocks, because I totally would have kicked your ass in that. I totally would have got it. Okay. Anyways, That's uh, not so, so, so the last segment we were talking about, you know, some stuff that is, is pretty heavy and, um, we're with, uh, Navy sailor Christian Stevens today. So Christian, um, I think we got a good picture of some of the, the fears and the aspects of what can be the repercussions. What I'd really like for you to tell our audience now is like, where are you at now and and how much has that improved by taking that leap to go to your chain of command and get help? So uh, I'm currently on a different antidepressant than what they started with, um, which is fine. It's been honestly life-changing. It's not necessarily like I was very against medication, so it's definitely interesting taking it daily. Um, but I definitely can notice a difference. Uh, I'm, What's the difference you notice? Uh, just a little extra, just a little extra pep in your step. You know, you get like that extra half second to kind of catch the negative thoughts before they kind of overwhelm you. Mm. So, and sometimes that, I mean, nine times out of 10, it turns out that extra half second is enough to like almost deter the negative thoughts completely. Um, Things don't nearly as don't bother me nearly as much. Um, I mean, not to sound, you know, over exaggerated, but you know, before it used to be something as simple as sending a message to someone, not hearing back from them, and thinking, you know, they hate you forever, and never confronting that either. So then you're just kind of stuck in a constant anxious state of like, where are you staying with this person? Where now it's like I get to just think they probably are just a little busy. Or opened it and forgot to respond or something, you know? Right. It's, it's, it's just nice. I'm more at peace. 
That's a great way of putting it. Let me just uh, butt in right at this point and say, uh, just for our, our listeners, um, a lot of people feel that this mental health issue inside the military is not a front burner issue for our military. For instance, you you just told us how you were the go, go-to kid for antidepressants. They send you straight to it. But what about the availability to talk with someone, i.e. a therapist or a you know mental health professional? How is that going? Is that a part of what they've given you to help you deal? Or is it just the pills? No, uh, they definitely uh, work their, they try their hardest to get you um, either a Navy psychiatrist or an out in town psychiatrist or psychologist. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, where I am, there's hundreds of thousands of service members. So the Navy doesn't remotely have enough. So they luckily here, they're quick to send you out in town. Find a place that will take you, takes TRICARE, boom, call it a day. Um, they don't necessarily, you're not necessarily put on any wait list. Uh, whereas I know in the more unpopulated um, installations, it's sometimes a wait list to try to get you with their provided mental health yeah. provider, Yeah, which can sometimes take time that is not necessarily available for that person. Well, the average statistics currently say that 19 veterans and two active duty services, uh, active duty service members rather, um, are victims of suicide each and every day. So you've been in there five years or so. Have you heard of anyone or did you know of anyone who has succumbed through their mental illness to suicide? Oh, yes, both, unfortunately. And still to this, I think, one this month. One this month. What What happens when you hear that? With that news, uh, you work and you hear, hear what happened to? It's, um, it's disappointing. Uh, if you look at a lot of the statistics, these aren't sailors that are on deployment. These aren't sailors that are overseas. These aren't... Sailors that are frontline and center. I mean, these are the ones that are working at home, essentially. In the yards is what we call it, where we're doing the maintenance availability period to repair the ships to get them back out there. Um, more, more often than not, there's more sailors that are losing their lives on the home front than overseas. Wow. Jax, anything on that? I'm just, I'm just, I, 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 I mean, what do you say to something like that? Can you kind of shed some light on what happens? What's the feeling at work and in your, in your neighborhood? Um, because, you know, service members are everywhere. When something, some news like that is moving through the grapevine, how do you find um, yourself becoming desensitized to it or not? Oh, I mean, I it, it's obvious. I mean, look, look at his face and how he said, like, unfortunately, you know, won this month. Like, right. I mean, I, I can see the the level of de, well, desensitization. I, I mean, I want you to answer the question, but I mean, it's, it's obvious. Generally speaking, because everybody processes differently. So, I mean, he's here with us right now. 
But if he was in right. the chow hall or McDonald's somewhere, how do you, you know what I'm saying? Um, what do you have to do so that the constant barrage of these new, this news doesn't take you under in and of itself? You got enough to deal with your own stuff. How do you get past this happening over and over and over again? Such a good I question. Think for, for me, it's been very, very, very fortunate that I haven't had to personally experience it at my command. Uh, I was previously on a very tight-knit, small ship where we know, I would honestly say everyone by their name. Um, but I, I know... I have acquaintances and coworkers and friends that have been on these ships that have lost people. And it, it's, you, you expect answers and you kind of just don't, I don't, um, I don't really know how else to put it as far as, uh, maintaining professionalism about how, uh, the Navy seems to be handling it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. What do you guys feel needs to happen? You're there. These are your friends. These are your, you know, this is your world. What do we need to do, in your opinion, to get this thing started in a different direction? I just think more, um, more reasonable expectations on the turnaround of events or the expectations of the ship's life cycles and all that is just a little bit under consideration. Um, I was brought, it was brought to my attention, right? That Congress obviously makes a lot of the decisions for us. They see the manning and just numbers. However, that manning is literally just the number of service members in the service. It doesn't take account the pregnant sailors. It doesn't take into account the, you know, sailors on medical, uh, like limited duty for mm -hmm. surgeries, for anything. It doesn't take into account the sailors that are separating <laughs> that are just in like a hold situation for separation. So, you know, Congress is constantly looking at these numbers, like, all right, we have proper manning. We have everything that's adequate and good to go for these ships. And then, you know, trickles down, trickles down, trickles down and you're at the ships. And, you know, I mean, for example, my ship was billeted for four E sevens in our department. And we had one for the deployment. Mm. We had one sailor, halfway through the deployment that was the only one that's ever experienced a deployment out of third out of 26 people in the division so i mean you got one person that's doing the job of four people you got another person that's the only experienced person in this situation going on you know and we have all ages anywhere from 18 to 32 deploying for the first time you know some of these people that this is the first time they've even left their state so to not have that proper support and expectations and everything, it definitely takes its toll. Uh, however, you know, as anyone else will point out, it's also a matter of the quality of people we get in and their work ethic. I mean, unfortunately, yeah. that's, that's where it stems from, too. Yeah. Hey, Christian, personally speaking, from your own journey, that deployment in, what was it, 2021? Uh, 2020 to 2021. 20 to 2021. Uh, do you feel that the same person came back as the same as the person they sent out? Oh, absolutely not. How how different? I would, I would uh, 
I would want anyone to imagine what self-isolation for 11 months would feel like. And I'm pretty sure a lot of people that have ever been in, not to sound extreme or, you know, out there, but people that have been in solitary confinement for anything longer than six months will probably tell you they couldn't imagine what 11 months is. Um, we were, we got, we got zero uh, timeout into any country. I did not see any sights. I saw a bunch of landscapes and horizons, um, mm. but COVID. So I know a lot of other ships that had it worse than us, which is really not saying much, but at least we got to step onto land sometimes. But I mean, just imagine not leaving your job ever for 300 some days. Right. I can't. So, so my question is, um, would you do it again? Would you go to your chain of command and say, I feel like I need to, to reevaluate my mental health. And what would you say to sailors out there that are listening to this to give them the courage to do the same? Yeah, I would do it again. I would do it again in a heartbeat. This was the best decision I probably made. Even if I don't advance just due to the, like I said, it's all also based on your test scores. Um, I don't think that my career's negatively affected whatsoever. And by far my personal life isn't affected in the negative sense. I mean, nothing but per positive things have come from this. Mm. Um, as far as like what to do for other people, I just, uh, you just gotta, you, you come first as much as no one wants to admit it. And as much as no one wants to push it, you do come first. Someone else will do your job. If they have to, they'll offer more and more money as we've seen with enlistment bonuses. If there's not enough people, just, you come first. There's always an answer besides taking your own life. Amen. Well, I, I think I think your journey is really cool. Um, and the reason why is not because I'm your father, which is really amazing oh, to... You are? Yeah. Kidding, yeah Looking absolutely. at the screen, if you guys could see, you'd know. Um, yeah, you guys, you guys will be able to to see that face when we uh, when we put like it up. Young uh, guy, and but, then you have the... 100 year old version of the young guy. I'm just kidding. But the, uh, <laughs> I, I don't, I don't want to hear because you were with Moses. Okay. When you went through your basic training, All right. I don't, exactly don't want to hear that mess, but no, in, in all seriousness, I, th I think by you coming forward and by other sailors coming forward, that's how you create an accountability for change. And I think that community neighbors that are out there, non-veterans that are listening to this, that are thinking about going into military service, it's a story like yours that starts to create the shift mm -hmm. of that quality, not quantity. And I want to personally thank you for taking the opportunity to, to make sure that you come first. Lauren? I agree. I concur. I second all of those emotions. But I also want to say this because I'm a real champion of changing that. You know, thank you for your service. But also, Christian, I want to thank you for your sacrifice. Um, and I'm sure there were multiple sacrifices. Um, a lot of people uh, don't even acknowledge that. But I, I do. And I commend you for the courage that it takes to have that tough conversation and to be vulnerable 
and put that out there. It, 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 it is, it's, it's just so, so important. So thank you. Thank you so much for that. Appreciate it. Christian, last thoughts before I let, before we let you go. I uh, just appreciate you guys having me and letting me uh, explain what it's like out here. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and honestly, folks, if you get a chance, we'll, you know, we'll have his Facebook in the, um, uh, in the, in the links and, and posts later, but he really is taking this advocacy thing to the next level. And as an active duty service member, I think that there's something to really be said about that because people are watching and they are listening and uh, you're really going to be able to influence some lives with you continuing this journey of, of vulnerability and, and transparency. Thanks so much for being with us today, Christian. Absolutely. We appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you. It's not easy to be the the voice box for something as serious as this. So definitely great work. Thank you so much. Thank you for having you me. Take us to commercial, Lauren. All right. We'll be right back to wrap up this incredible episode um, with myself and Cowboy Jacks. Don't go away because we've got something that you'll want to take with you when you do leave. We'll be right back. Hey y'all, this is Cowboy Jax. I just wanted to invite you to join the heartbeat and relationship conversation in this space right here. Your product, your service, your message, let's ride. Hey folks, we're back. Oh my God, Lauren, what? I, I, I'm just, I'm, for the first time, I'm just, I'm speechless. You know, I am too, I'm, I'm serious. I mean, I knew what we were talking about. I knew it was your son. I knew he was active duty. But see, that's the thing about radio versus television. I, you, and you mentioned it inside the the episode when Christian was here. If we could, if you all could see his face when he made certain comments and the way he looked off and that distance and that that you could just see it. You could just see it. And I, I, I tell you, man, so much. There's so much that needs to be done. Um, I'm just grateful that these young people are so courageous. Those that are. Yeah, you know? I, I, that's the other thing for a 25 year old young man to have such a, a well-balanced uh, quality of life component yes. uh, really speaks volumes, especially for all you people out there that continue to call young people snowflakes and all this other shit like you know these these young people are the 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 next step in in what happens in the country and in the world yeah. and we have to embrace them and support them right can i get a ding from the bell of purpose sure. versus you know versus a lot of what goes on so just real quick the dangers of not disclosing untreated mental illness can however damage your career if the symptoms are severe your commanding officer may require duty limitations or recommend separation from the military for medical reasons military records show that talking to a doctor is a good career move according to a 2006 study in military medicine 97 percent of personnel who sought mental health treatment did not experience negative career impact mm. That's nice to know. And I want to throw something else out there. I'm just going to say it. Um, it speaks to our neighbor mission that we have here on this show. Um, yes. Community I, neighbor, non-veteran. Absolutely. Exactly. Appreciate it. 
Exactly. Because, you know, these are the things everybody, you know, we don't question, you know, uh, you know, everybody's up in arms. Okay. We see all this stuff happening. Um, uh, you know, terrorism from our own people on our, you know, look at what just happened in Buffalo, New York, you know, um, you know, white supremacy and all the different things. People are just picking up guns and just shooting up every place we go. We're like, should we stay at this um, farmer's market or, or no, I don't want to go to the mall or whatever the case may be. But a lot of people, service members, veterans and community neighbors, we take it for granted that we walk out our door for the most part feeling safe to do whatever it is we need to go and get done. But we can never forget that these kids um, and, and these other service members that go out and, and get out and come home to us, they have sacrificed things that you will never even know. And so we need to do better as community members in supporting and making things available and just asking a person, how can we help you? How can we help you? Because, you know, don't just watch the news um, and, and think about, okay, the war's over in Kiev. You know, this time last year, it wasn't. Where will it be this time next month, next year? It could be right here. And the war is inside the lives of our young people who are serving uh, this world. To and keep not serving. It, it's not it's serving. equally on the community neighbor side of the house, the non-veterans. I'm so sick and tired of of these young people that that want to find their place in the world you know to, yeah. to constantly have to deal with the ridicule from from other people you know it's like it it it's counterproductive you know instead of saying thank you for your service say how can i help how can Do I you help? want me to write my congressman you know is there a fund that you want me to be able to donate to is there some time that i can take as a volunteer Right. Like, let's really figure out a way to bridge what our community relations with our community neighbors, non-veterans, and our service folks, our service members, and our veterans right. can really, you know, start to work together to cultivate uh, a better country, I think. It, it, Is that it, fair? It's very fair. And I'll say this, you know, if you or I, Jax, were to, if I were to ask you and you were to ask me, Lauren, how many people in your inner circle, your circle of influence, do you know, who have admitted having dealt with major depression? I don't have enough fingers, okay? Mm. But if mm. we can both do that and run out of fingers, how do we not address the issue that major depression is five times higher in service members than in civilians? Mm. See, we can go out and get what we need in most cases. They can't. It's not available. You heard what he said about you know, how many people are on the wait list? There's hundreds of thousands of service people where he's at. And right. they send them into the community uh, to look for their own, uh, you know, uh, psychiatrist, psychologist, whatever the case may be. We must do better. We must mm. do better. And, and, I, and I do also think that there's something really good to say, too. And, and if we want, I mean, we can... I mean, we've, we've unpacked a lot, so we can wrap up a little bit early today if we want to, because I think there's just so much to be said without saying a word. Mm. But let's give it up for Christian's chain yeah. of command, for listening to him and engaging with him and really being able to help him to, to cultivate a better lifestyle. So all of you soldiers, sailors, airmen, Marines, and Coast Guards that are out there, 
the worst thing they can do is say no. And if they say no, there's probably another chain of command that you can possibly go to. There's IG that you can go to. But what I love about this young man's story is the fact that his courage was only followed up by the fact that he had the support that he needed. So you can get that support too. Lauren, Absolutely. last thoughts? Well, I just want to say this, you know, to all of you um, in service and out, whatever is real to you, if something is real to you, if it's a pain or an anxiety or whatever the case may be, just know that you have a right to be heard. Do not let anyone dismiss your needs ever, ever. And that means that will become easier as those of us who are around each other invite people to have those hard conversations and give them that opportunity to speak their truths, just like we did here today. And Christian took us up on that offer and we've all grown from it, or at least I hope we have. I know that Lauren and I have. I don't think that I could have said it better myself. At the end of the day, your biggest strengths, and this is coming from a former infantry soldier for all these service members out here, you know, the combat MOS, vulnerability and transparency are your biggest strengths. I'm Cowboy Jax. And I'm Lauren Michaels Harris. And until next time, be good to one another. Yes, please be good to one another, if nothing else. Thank you so much. We'll see y'all on the next time of the Heartbeat and Relationship Conversation. Yeah, see ya. Cut it, baby. (laughs) You're listening to License for Love with Cowboy Jax and Lauren Michaels Harris. The Heartbeat and Relationship Conversation.